0: Amy Burton is today's guest on The Scholar's Podcast. Amy is the 2018 Zellman Cohen John Monash Scholar and studied at Georgetown University in the United States. Amy is a very well-credentialed lawyer. In fact, she's the managing lawyer at Everyday Justice. It's a pleasure to say Amy is on the line. Amy, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, so uh, Everyday Justice, um, tell, tell me about that and how all of that started.
1: Okay, well, Everyday Justice is a new free legal service. Uh, it's a national service, and we aim to help people who have everyday legal issues. And by that, I mean, you know, they maybe they're not getting paid enough by their boss, they've got issues with their landlord, they owe a debt to someone, uh, they got a speeding fine. Um, they're facing financial abuse um, by an ex-partner, all those things that um, people experience on a day-to-day, um, but they they want to know what to do next with that legal issue, but they can't spend $300 on a lawyer. So right. we're there to guide people through those legal issues um, and we'll help anyone who has a legal issue in one of those areas and they can live in Bondi Beach or they can live in the middle of a farm in the Northern Territory and we can still talk to them because we're an online phone-based legal service.
0: Right so I was going to say so how do you how do you qualify it's not you know you don't you don't check the bank account like it's anyone can (laughs) anyone can go and um and and use your service? Well,
1: we'll pretty much speak to anyone on the phone, Um, so long as they've got a legal issue that falls in one of the categories that um, is listed on our website. um, We can help people a bit more than that, so we can help people drafting letters or legal documents. We could even go to court for people full-time, but we've got more stringent criteria for those types of legal services but anyone who just wants guidance on what to do next with their legal issue will speak to them and even if they have a legal issue that isn't something we can help with I'd prefer they call me and say help I need a referral to a lawyer who do you recommend Um, rather than sit there for hours on Google trying to figure it out for themselves.
0: Yeah. so because I mean often if people are uh, facing some sort of you know legal issue dilemma the the first thing is they're just not sure what to do and instantly they're scared because a they they don't know where to turn to and b they're worried about the cost
1: yeah and some people don't even know that they have a legal issue so they might mm. call and or they might think that they've got a certain type of legal issue but then when yeah. they speak to us we can you know we can say actually it sounds like this is a problem so I've been telling people we're kind of like the the GPs of the legal world we're you know rather than use Dr. Google come and speak to your GP or in this case to us and then we can point you in the right direction we're not specialists in any practice area but we know enough about you know a little bit of everything to yeah, point people yeah. in the right direction and yeah. potentially take on their case if it's got merit.
0: Okay, so how? Um, t- tell me about tell me about that practice. How did it all get started, and and how did you um set it all up?
1: So it goes back a few years. I was working as a lawyer at uh, Salvo's Legal Humanitarian, which was um, one of the first social enterprise law firms in Australia. And mm. what I mean by that is. Um, My old boss there, Luke Geary, he um, decided to set up a commercial law firm that was funded by the Salvation Army and all Mm -hmm. the fees that it made fully funded a human rights law firm. Um, So it was a not-for-profit commercial. It was like two firms in one. And um, when I was there, we were able to help quite a lot of people, but there were plenty we couldn't help with and so i would give them a list of lawyers and recommend that they see them but half the time i did that i knew that the lawyers i was suggesting would probably give them a quote that was going to be far too much money that these people could afford yeah so i'm like we've got surely there's there's so people were falling in the gaps and i knew that people would probably speak to those lawyers, find out how much they cost and then not do anything about their legal issue. And I thought surely there has to be, yeah, and I thought surely there has to be a better way of doing this. And so I was doing some research and I found that in the US, in fact, they were doing um, low bono law firms. Um, Yes, yeah. And so... Um, I just kept spending nights researching these firms in the US that were helping people who couldn't afford lawyers, couldn't get government funded legal aid. Um, And that led me to apply for the John Monash Scholarship because I thought I really need to go over there and research these law firm models
0: I see uh, right yeah. so that was that was your um your big sort of light bulb moment
1: it was it was and um so I, I applied for the John Monash scholarship I actually applied two years in a row and um I got it the second time around
0: ah um, so, so hang on hang on what, what what happened the first what happened the first year ah uh,
1: look I think I left it to the last minute um because yeah. I was so busy with my legal work and I didn't I mean it's a it's a really big interview process and
0: I've heard. You yes, you
1: really need to to have your mind together. Your yeah, and you need to you need to, and obviously this is such a huge opportunity. The um, foundation needs to be convinced that they should be investing in you and that you have a genuine need to go overseas. So I don't think I conveyed that adequately the first year around. But then I had a whole year to think about how how I could present my case better. Um, And obviously it worked. Um, So off I went to Washington, D.C. where they have one of the biggest low-cost law firms. Um, Emailed the founder on my first day and said, I need to learn everything I can off you while I've got this year in Washington, D.C. and he took me under his wing and here I am.
0: Okay, so you're you're in Washington um tell me about that experience both going going to uni uh they studying there and, and also you know doing your research
1: yeah well i mean washington dc's got quite a lot of attention in the media in the last little <laughs> while uh, <laughs> i went there in the trump era um yeah. so it was an interesting time people were pretty deflated to be honest especially um yeah, like the professional people who I came across just seemed like they'd lost a bit of hope, but they were they were often quite lifted up when I said that I was inspired by what they were doing really well in the access to justice sector. So I got a bit of an in that way. Um, it's, it's a wonderful place. Um, Georgetown University is a fantastic place to learn. I was able to take up whole range of subjects to help me be a better you know social justice lawyer a manager to think about how we could measure the impact of our services um once I was you know ready to set one up um and the professors were just so willing to sit down with me and have a coffee and answer all of my questions I had for them which I had many Um, and yeah it was was, was okay yeah well it wasn't but I I, I lowered my standards when I was there (laughs) Um, but yeah I just I think because I knew I was there for a very specific purpose and I had the support of the John Monash Foundation, I just, I I think I crammed as much as I possibly could into that time. I also um, got married three months before I went over there and I left my husband at home. So, uh, yep, yep. (laughs) Yep. And there was, so I think there was some added motivation to just get involved, get everything I needed and, and come home to do what I had intended to do.
0: How is he with that news?
1: Well, he proposed to me just, I feel like it was just after I found out that I got the scholarship. So he knew what he was getting himself into.
0: Okay. All right. okay, That's that's, that's a lot.
1: And and it's really hard getting visas over there. So... Mm you know, he could have come along, but then he probably wouldn't have been able to work. And then our poor rescue dog would have been without us. So, you exactly. know, he put the needs of our Kelpie before his own.
0: <laughs> so you've you clearly, you, you clearly spent a lot of time um, in the university system studying. What, what would you say the differences are, if you can, between, say, your undergraduate studies, uh, when you were learning to become a lawyer, to... Uh, going to a prestigious um, university in the United States? What are the differences?
1: Well, when I started law school, I'd just come out of high school and I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. And so I really. Th- yeah, I don't I, like people. Talk, I was into debating, and people told me I was good at arguing. My mum always said, Well, you're always fighting with your brother, so you'll probably be a good lawyer. Um, but I came from a family where no one in my family had been to university before. So for a while there, I couldn't really understand the purpose. Um, and so I don't know. I just feel like I got through it. I was, I think at high school, they tell you, you know, once you finish your um your year 12 study then you know it gets easier but I just found university especially law school so hard so yeah. um yeah just um it was a bit of a blur really um and I was just getting through it and I was taking subjects like trusts and equity but not really understanding cool. how this was ever going to help me become a lawyer yeah. um the only the only silver lining really was that I would spend my nights volunteering at community legal centers. And so there I would see, oh, okay, so this is how it all sort of comes together and this is what it's like to yep. be a lawyer. Um
0: so was that was that the when you when you were through, say your um like what was it halfway through where you thought, Okay, yeah, I'm doing this law degree, but I you know, the law now interests me and I wanna focus on this particular
1: uh, well I I one of my professors um, told me about the work that community legal centres do when I was in my first year, and I signed up that night um, because it just—I don't know—something told me that that was the type of law that I'd be interested in. So um, I had that with me the whole time I was at law school. But then, and where, I where, where
0: I, were you studying? Where was that?
1: I was at Monash in Melbourne.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and. I think maybe I was a bit frustrated because I could see how, you know, lawyers worked in practice and yet I would go to law school and it would all be legalese and legal gobbledygook. And I'm like, how does this all come together? The difference when I was at Georgetown, though, was that I had been out of the university system for 10 years. I'd been practicing as a lawyer, so I knew the things I really needed to learn, Mm. to get to the next stage of my career and so I went there with a purpose I knew pretty much exactly wanted what I wanted to do how I wanted to do it and so I was absolutely one of those nerds sitting at the front of the class asking like every question I could think of and having all the other US students look at me like her again
0: (laughs) her again overachiever Aussie
1: yeah pretty much Pretty much. Um, but I also had that, I like to think I had that sort of Aussie, like down to earth attitude about it all. Like there were a lot of people in the class who were really stressed out about you know, passing their exams and getting good grades. Whereas I was, you know, obviously that was important still, but I knew that there was an overarching bigger reason to be there and that was to learn and, and soak up everything I could.
0: And, and what made you pick Georgetown? Because obviously there are a number of um, places all over the world where you could study with that yeah. scholarship. So well, what, was, I, I, what was it that made, made you focus in on, um, on Georgetown?
1: Well, when I applied for the John Monash Scholarship, I was actually planning to go to Berkeley. And then it was only after I got the scholarship that I had the time and the need to do a lot more research on what specific courses I wanted to do and um, where the best low-cost law firms were um, for me to research. And the best one I could identify was the DC Affordable Law Firm, which is based in Washington, DC. And so I just took a gamble and thought, "I, I really need to learn everything I can from the people who run that firm, um, combined with the fact that there were a whole lot more subjects at Washington, D.C., at Georgetown that I could take because it's a really big law school.
0: Mm. I've been to Washington, but only for I think it was like three days as part of like a tour when I was in my early 20s. It's an amazing city to visit, even if you're not a you know, a history buff or into politics or anything. I just found it yep. fascinating. What Same. was what what did you find it was like actually living, breathing, like just being there for for a year?
1: It it was amazing for so many reasons, but it was also quite disturbing the level of poverty and the level of Um, drug abuse that's affecting Mm. the city at the moment. Um, I was shocked by how many people were living in tents uh, near the law school. Uh, We we were based right near a, um, a, I guess you'd call it a soup kitchen and and homeless support service. Um, In fact, I think Georgetown specifically chose to have the law school right there um, to ensure that its students would, get involved in uh, volunteering at that service. Um, but, yeah, on my walk to and from law school every day or ride when I eventually got a bike, um, I, yeah, I, I was just really quite shocked by how many people were living in tents. Um, and then it was really evident that there is um, drug a high level of drug abuse affecting people um in big cities like Washington DC mm. um you know I'd regularly see people who were um you know, had been using and then they were crossing roads while there was traffic moving at them um and it, it it just it felt like every time I walked to and from law school it really made me think about the bigger picture um I know that sounds really corny, but it's right in your face in DC. Yes, yes. And there's obviously some beautiful parts of DC and it's a, a wonderful city, but it was just so evident. And in, and in the, uh, the neighbourhood I lived in, there were regularly things like shootings and knifings, um, school students who were affected. So you could really wow. feel that there was mm. tension in, in the city and, yeah, it was, it was rough.
0: Sounds like it. I mean, you only just. Um, I mean, fa- fast forward to the events of a few weeks ago at the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, that that was that was frightening.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But I could feel that there is so much. There's just so much going on over there. Um, it's hard to make did, where to begin.
0: Did you make some nice friends uh, when you're over there? And were there any other um, Australians studying there?
1: There are a few Australians studying there, not heaps, um, but I I met people from all over the place. There are a lot of people um, doing the master's program from South America, and so hearing their stories was absolutely fascinating. Some of them were working as criminal prosecutors. um, One of my closest... um, Friends was an Indonesian student who'd worked as a lawyer in Jakarta. Another one was from Iceland. Um, I think Washington DC attracts people from all over the world. Um, mm. So it was fascinating learning about the legal systems of all these different places.
0: And did you find once you, once you finished uh, your your degree that you were then much better equipped, well equipped to to start up the business um, in Sydney?
1: Definitely. And that came down to the internship I had at the DC Affordable Law Firm. The founder there, Sheldon, was just so wonderful to me the whole time I was there. Uh, He taught me everything. He got me involved in the business of the firm um, and, yeah, just made that experience so valuable. Um, And then I was lucky enough to have... um, A six month consulting project when I got back to Australia that was funded by DLA Piper in Australia. Um, They're the ones who fund the DC affordable law firm over in Washington, DC. Um, So they let me spend six months just researching. you know who are the missing middle in Australia? What sort of legal services um, would best help them? Um, and having that opportunity was was such a wonderful way to to marry my research in the US with what's happening in Australia.
0: And was it a big step for you personally when you you actually pushed the button on setting up setting up the business when you said, okay, I am doing this. There's uh, yes, I'm. I know the law. I'm a lawyer, but there's now a lot that I need to be on top of to run a business.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, and um, this all came about because my old boss at Salvo's Legal, um, Luke Geary, um, who's become a very close friend of mine. Um, he was visiting. Sydney he now lives in Brisbane and, and I said I, th- I think I've got this business idea for you that I'd like you to think about and I was very sort of tentative because you know he'd had experience setting up law firms before so he's like just just send me the business plan and I'll, I'll have a think about it and then within a few days he said we need to do this and <laughs> I was really quite surprised because I I was I had a six-month-old baby at the time and I thought okay we're doing this Wow!
0: So obviously, setting up a business is something that is is vastly different um, from from being a lawyer. You understand the law, but um, setting up your own business comes with its own challenges. Did you did you think you were prepared for that?
1: Uh, well, I've never done it before, so I knew that it was going to be um, a big commitment, um, and. Luke Geary, who is the chairperson of the Everyday Justice Board, um, his attitude is, you know, go big and, and do it really well. Um, and so he, he had the idea that as well as setting up an office in Sydney where we've got myself and my colleague who's, who's a few years junior to me, that we should also run uh, an internship program nationally for law graduates who are interested in pursuing careers in social justice law. So mm-hmm. it, rather than just trialling that in Sydney, he's like, "Nah, let's start by doing it nationally. So we've got interns in Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Canberra and Perth.
0: And are, there, are these people who, are, who have finished their degrees or are still studying?
1: So they have finished their degrees and so after you finish your law degree, you then need to do another course called the Practical Legal Training course, uh, which goes for about nine months and that's where you get like, the really practical skills about how to be a lawyer. Yeah. And so as part of that, you need to do 75 days of work experience.
0: Uh, um, okay.
1: So we've got our interns doing their 75 days of work experience with us. All Across the country, and um, because we've um, everyday justice is owned and funded by Mills Oakley, a national law firm, yes, um, we're able to be based out of their national offices, which is wonderful because we have all their support Love it. and resources. And yep. so, our uh, interns who are based in other cities are working in the office, the Mills Oakley offices,
0: in fantastic, Perth
1: and Brisbane and Melbourne yeah
0: and, and I imagine um that you know you, on from from a from a day to day basis you've got enough work coming in like you've got your hands full your you and and all your interns and the other people working there you, there's enough to do i imagine
1: absolutely I mean in fact, as we've been talking, I've had five missed calls from people looking for legal
0: assistance <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> and so we've got a 1-800 number we've also got um on our website we've got a a pretty easy to use chat bot I guess you'd call it where people can fill in their details and we'll give them a call to talk about their legal issue but we're also building up relationships with a lot of existing legal services and non-legal services and I've been amazed In particular, by how many financial counseling services have called us saying, you know, due to COVID, we've got so many people with debt issues at the moment. We need lawyers who can speak to them and explain the legal side of things because we can only speak about the financial side of things. And so, Uh, yeah,
0: okay.
1: Yeah, we're getting a lot of that work, especially for people who, you know, are sole traders or have their own small businesses that have been affected by COVID. Uh, we're getting a lot of that work, which we expected, but it's not until you set up and open your doors that you really see what the issues are in the community.
0: And are there, are there many other firms that do things similar to everyday justice or are you unique in that, in that sense?
1: There are plenty of wonderful community legal services, um, Mm -hmm. Funded by the government, and then there are some people who have started setting up low-cost legal services in in a few different states. Brisbane, for some reason, seems to be um, a popular hub for entrepreneurial lawyers who who want to set up online or low lower-cost legal services. But there's very few services that uh, I guess have the resources to be able to add. An internship program as big as the one we have.
0: Mm.
1: I think that that's unique because we've got the support of Mills Oakley to do that.
0: If you talk to lawyers, a lot of them say that they knew from like you know very early on that that was that was their profession. They wanted to get into the law. Um, you've already said that you didn't really know. So when you were were going through school, when you were younger, did you have something in mind that you thought you would end up doing?
1: I distinctly remember being in year eight and there was a class that my English teacher taught and he was talking about child slavery and I was just sitting there like absolutely shocked because I did not know that there were these kids overseas who were working in Clothing factories and and places like that. And so after that, I signed up to the school social service committee, and I was you know running fundraisers for you know ending child trafficking, ending child slavery. And then
0: while while you're and, while you're in school,
1: yeah, we, and it was within school that we'd have these fundraisers. Um, and so I guess I guess the social justice spirit was there from a young age, but I didn't know how I could make a career of that and so it wasn't until I sort of went along with the law degree that I figured out that
0: you joined the dots a, yeah that I
1: was a way that I that there was a way that I could help people as a lawyer I think you, people who want to help people often think okay well I'll be a doctor or a psychologist I wasn't good at science so I needed something <laughs> that wasn't messy that still involved being able to help people
0: so you mentioned Monash before, so did you, yep. gr- did you grow up in Melbourne?
1: I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula, so
0: about an oh, hour and a half away. I love from it from there. I the love the golf day. courses there.
1: Yeah, it's a lovely place to be. Um, I guess as a kid, it just felt really far from the city. But you know, now that I'm older and I have a child myself, I think, yeah, that was a pretty great place to be.
0: I made a mistake going to a friend's birthday party once in very early January at Rye. And um, it was so cold. You've got no idea. And I was like, this is January. It's summer. And they've gone, you know, come on, this is Victoria. What are you talking about? They were all dressed in, you know, hoodies and tracksuit pants. And like, I had like a short shorts and like it was freezing (laughs) in January. And that's, that's a lasting memory of the Mornington Peninsula for me.
1: Well, that's one of the reasons I moved to Sydney. From really young From really young I said, I'm gonna live in Sydney. My dad grew up in Sydney. My he always said Sydney's a wonderful place to live and I'd always say, Well, why are we in Melbourne then? Like I was born mm. in England, my mum's from England, my dad's from Sydney. There was no real reason why we ended up in Melbourne that uh, we did. And even today, they always complain about the weather down there. And I'm like, well, come move up somewhere yes.
0: else. Yes. <laughs> it's warmer, better. Um, yep. So what? Uh, let's let's go through your your formal degrees then, because I know you've got a few. So what, um, what have you got?
1: Well, I've got the Bachelor of Law. And then I did a Bachelor of Arts at the same time, because mm. I was told that the law would be a bit boring by itself.
0: Yeah. Spice um, it up with um,
1: spice some Spice it up with yeah. some French and some Spanish and some politics, all that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: Right. Um,
1: and then the Master of Laws that I did at Georgetown.
0: Right. Okay. And so what's, um, you know, 20, 2020, I think a lot of people are happy to see the the end of that um, for obvious reasons. Um 2021 so what what does that hold for for you and uh your family and and everyday justice
1: well for my family it involves the entrance into the toddler years for my daughter who is (laughs) just about to turn 12 months and we've already had our first few toddler tantrums in the shop yeah. So goodbye. she's she started walking quite early, and so um, and because we have a dog, we often have her in a baby carrier rather than a pram. But it's becoming increasingly difficult to keep her in that one because she's getting too heavy. But two, she just wants to be on the ground exploring. And I made the mistake of taking her out of the carrier the other day in Target. And once she was out, she was not letting me put her back in. And I thought, you know, I might have (laughs) all all the qualifications in the world, but right now I'm just that mum who's got a screaming kid and I need to get out of this store right now.
0: (laughs) Because everyone's Uh, looking.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And so that's my personal life will be juggling that and also learning how to be a working mum. And uh, the lovely thing about the... Um, John Monash community is that I've already been connected up with some wonderfully smart um, scholars who have navigated this world of being a mum and working at the same time. So I will keep turning to them for advice. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for everyday justice, uh, well, this is our first year and we just want to be able to help as many people as we can and get a better understanding of this population who can't afford legal services um, but really need help. There hasn't been a whole lot of research done on what we call the missing middle Um, and I like to think that by operating a legal service that uh, a tr- it is for the missing middle, that we'll be able to learn more about what they need from us as a legal community and hopefully share that with other people in in other legal services and, and non-legal services as well.
0: Well, Amy, I think um, everyone will agree that what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. It is brilliant work and you're helping so many people and we wish you all the very best Uh, in the years ahead. And thank you uh, so much for joining us on the Scholars Podcast today. Thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.